Hello, the message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's Favorite House Canada. We pray that as you listen, God's light will flood your heart and transform you forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, so that one was for yourselves. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so I'm just going to go straight into uh, straight into it. Before I go straight into today's topic, I want to ask if anyone has heard of Alvin Toffler. Does anyone know Alvin Toffler? Have you heard of him? Okay. You might not know. Okay. It's just a pre... I came across the quote, you know, a few weeks back, and it's, it's had an impact on me. So I said, let me share. So Alvin Toffler is an American writer. And he's a futurist. And, you know, um, one of his quotes is, the illiterate of the 21st century isn't going to be those who cannot read or write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. I'm going to say it again. The illiterate of the 21st century isn't going to be those who cannot read or write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, or relearn. You know, so it struck me, and um, I just said I should share. You know, uh, you know, I'm just reminding myself about it. Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay, so um, today's topic, I think some are aware of it, is it's called seven up. So when I say seven up, what comes to mind? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You you've looked into my notes already. Thank you very much. Okay. So uh, CMM, can we please roll the tape? There's just a short video, a very short video. Please pay attention to it. to the beat and the heat hits the town the kids are melting on the street till seven up cools the city down seven up refreshingly clear seven up the difference is clear seven up the difference is clear Okay, we're good. Yeah, so how many people remember this advert? Okay. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. Well, let's, let's get into the juice of it. So, um, it, it, my question to you today is, does 7-Up, has anyone seen 7-Up in the Bible before? No. Has anyone come across it before? Do you know that it exists in the Bible? Yes, seven up. You are looking at me, right? <laughs> okay, should I show you? Okay, I, I'm not getting good response. Should I show you? Okay, okay. I'll do some abracadabra. <laughs> okay, um, CMM, can you please put up Matthew 14? 13 to 21. Pastor Anne, please, can you give us that Tales by Moonlight reading? As soon as Jesus heard the news, 
He left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot for many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You eat them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves in into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Praise the Lord. Has anyone seen it? No? Okay, I'm going to start the message with this, and I'm going to end with this. So if this is the only thing you pick from today's message, it's all good. This is the crux of the message. When you give your seven, your five loaves, and your two fishes up to God, he will bless you, he will multiply you, he will prosper you, you will be lifted, you will have access, and the difference will be clear. So the, the question now is this. Before we go into the other one, just to, just to remove any iota of doubt. Jesus fed 5,000, right? There was another part not too far from here where he also fed some people. Please, can we go to the same Matthew? Uh, 15, 29 to 39, please. This is just to remove any iota of doubt. You know, there's a significance with certain numbers and with certain, you know, with, with the way some things are arranged. Matthew 15, 29 to 39. Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking, the crippled were made well, the lame were walking, and the blind could see again, and they praised the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they, have had, and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they will faint along the way. The disciples replied, where would we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? They replied, seven loaves and a few small fish. 
So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. They all ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were 4,000 men who were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Then Jesus sent the people home, and he got into a boat and crossed over to the region of Magadan. Thank you so much, Pastor Anne. So yet again, you know, uh, a few moments after Jesus fed the 5,000, he fed the 4,000. Again, it makes reference to seven loaves. So my point here is that whether it's five loaves and two fish or seven loaves, it's seven, right? And, you know, God's word to us today is that seven, your seven. What is your seven? I'm going to talk you know, with it, with you guys, the seven broad categories of what you need to give to God. This, these are stories of how God can meet you in your place of hunger. Each and every one of us, we are hungry for something. But when you are hungry for something, you know that the tendency is you want to go get food, right, when you are hungry. When you are dealing with God and you want him to meet you in your place of hunger, don't always think about what you are going to get from God, First, think about what you are going to give to God. That's your seven. You need to give it to God, and then he will multiply you, bless you, prosper you, elevate you with it, and then, you know, uh, you will be lifted. You will, the difference will be clear in your lives. Now, I'm going to start with number one, time. Time is your number one loaf. Now, inside that time, there are three babies. The first one is time in God. Time in God, we're referring to, you know, your study time with God, your time in church. You know, the stuff you do to want to know more about God or whatever it is in relation to God. That is, that is one aspect of your time, your time in God. Then there's also time with God. Your time with God, how often do you involve God in all aspects of your life? And then there's also time for God. You know, th that is the third one. The time for God is um, basically how you are propagating God's word, you know, in the larger society. So it is possible that you can have time in God but not have time with God. What do I mean by that? Time in God, you're always reading your Bible. You're always praying. You're always in church. You're always doing church activity. You're always doing one thing or the other. But the question now is, how often do you involve God in your daily decision making? How often do you involve God in the key aspects of your life. A lot of times we want to do things by ourselves. We want to take decisions. But I've come to a realization that no matter how big or no matter how small, and so it happens unconsciously. You know, we just say, ah, 
we, we have something to do, we don't involve God. Meanwhile, God wants to be part of our everyday lives. But the thing about a lot of us Christians, including me, myself, is that the moment we step outside of church, we tend to not carry God with us in the decision-making aspects of our lives. We tend to overlook certain things. Ah, we've come to church. We've spent the number of hours. We've done what we want to do. We are now, you know, out there. So I just want to implore that the number one bread that, you know, we need to give to God is our time. Uh, we need to make use of it judiciously. And, um, you know, I know that with regards to time for God, Pastor mentioned something last week. He said in his message, Dim of Fool, how are you, you know, propagating the word of God in, 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 in your life out there in the world? So we need to give ourselves a conscious thought of that business you are doing. How is it projecting God's image? How is it elevating the kingdom of God? How is it promoting God? You know, how is it pushing the kingdom of God forward? So there is a, there is a, everything we do has a meaning. There, there is a reason behind everything. And God didn't just place us in our places of work or in our places of business or ventures just to be ordinary. He placed us there for a reason. Now, you have to use that your position or that your opportunity to expand the word of God further than, you know, what you can even imagine. So, I know Pastor also mentioned that we don't listen to secular music here. To God be the glory. But l let me say something. I actually learn a lot, right? And I'm sure if you have, I learn a lot from the secular people, even the secular musicians. Don't you ask yourself sometimes that what drives somebody like David do? You know, guess what? At the point of when somebody like that, he was claiming he was broke a long time ago, he was still far better off than, allow me to say most of us in this place, if I can say so. So you want to Think of it that what drives people like that? When you see secular people going out there and taking over the stage for whoever they are taking it over for, then you should ask yourself that as a child of God, I'm meant to be taking over the stage for God. I can't just be ordinary. I cannot be ordinary in my place of work, in my business. I cannot. I have to propagate God's kingdom and I have to take over for him. You know, you look at somebody like Bonaboy, Grammy, how old is he? Do you understand those sort of things? So even though, yes, we are, you know, I, I kind of pick some things from them and say, ah, these people, they are so driven that look at, look at whatever it is that is driving them. So you, if you have God backing you, and if we are the ones that are meant to be running things, then, you know, as Christians, I decree in the name of Jesus that we will own banks, we will own supermarkets, we will own hospitals, we will own the factors of production. 
in this land in the mighty name of Jesus. So, you know, those sort of things. Don't you imagine our, our thoughts and our, and our imagination should be far beyond, you know, the ordinary. Don't you just imagine that you could possibly have a, a bank that is pro-Christian and is funding businesses for Christians and is empowering black people or minorities. Don't you want to be on that sort of, in that sort of setting? <laughs> so our thinking should be beyond, God didn't just place us on this earth, oh, bump picking, marry, go to school, do what you want to do, and finish, Audi. No, there is an impact that you have to make. And it has to be, you can't just say, oh, I'm not comfortable now. And I'm not living in my house. I'm not doing, no, 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 no. It's beyond, it's beyond you. It's beyond your family. It's beyond your home. As Christians, we need to start taking responsibility. As Christians, we need to take over the world for Christ. Let me move on quickly. I mean, the, 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 that one is another topic for another day, you know. So, what is your second loaf? You know, your second loaf is, is trust, your faith. Faith is the substance of things, hope for evidence of things not seen. You know, most of the time, we lose hope when we take our eyes off Jesus. Like, I keep using the example of Peter excuse me, walking on water. The only reason Peter did not continue walking on water was because he took his attention off Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ told him, come, yes, he started walking on water. All of a sudden, he paid attention to the storm. And then, he started sinking. So, guess what? The moment you are fearful... Let, let, me, let me let you into one secret. You, sometimes you look at some people and you wonder why are they so confident? Or are they overconfident? No. They are just relying on God's word. The moment you take your attention off God, off Christ, and you are thinking, oh, how am I going to do this thing? How am I going to accomplish this thing? How am I going to... You've taken your attention off the source. You are now thinking of how am I going to achieve it? God forbid we will sink in the name of Jesus. All of us here will continue walking on water in Jesus' name. We will trample on serpents. They will not bite us in Jesus' name. So, you always have to keep your trust in God. That is your second loaf. The third one is um, your treasure or your talent. Again, it ties in with time for God, but your treasure, your talents, how are you using it to propagate the kingdom of God? You know, again, we look at the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. There were three. God gave one five. He doubled it. He gave another one two or three. He doubled it. Then the guy that he gave one talent, what did he do? He buried it. Guess what? Jesus Christ referred to that guy as wicked and lazy. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a talent that you bury, 
the way the kingdom of God is. No be me talk Na Jesus talk The way the kingdom works is if you have a talent and you bury it, you are wicked and lazy. Do I need to show you guys so that you won't hold me to it though? <laughs> but because of time, let's move on. You know? So you can imagine, it struck me that, ah, so you mean even if one of my talents is not utilized, that's the kind of way Jesus Christ will see me. So we have to be conscious that all that God has deposited in us, we utilize to his, to his glory. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us in Jesus. Let nobody tell you that ah, you cannot achieve this, you cannot do this. You can do everything. The other day I was watching a documentary about former presidents or even, you know, and I was amazed at how, you know, Bill Clinton, he, he's like multi-talented, he plays a lot of instruments, he does stuff. You know, it's just, it's just too much. But the point I'm trying to make is they, they are, they are, these people that are in the so-called secular world, they are utilizing everything and anything that they have. You know, again, that's another message for another day. Let me not divert, you know, too much. Um, they, we have to, as Christians, learn how to die hard. What do I mean by that? Die empty. You have to. You cannot afford to go to the grave with talent unutilized. You just can't afford to. Most of us in here, the least, maybe age-wise, uh, maybe 30 or something. Bible says three score and 10. Most of us have lived half of our lives. You cannot afford. <laughs> God will give us long life in Jesus' name. <laughs> but <laughs> you cannot afford. <laughs> you cannot afford not, you know, to, to let your, your talents waste. So that is loaf number three. Loaf number four is Thanksgiving. Has anyone ever been in a dilemma of what to give to a very rich person? You know, yeah, sometimes you, you look at some people and you, maybe they've done you a favor or you just want to go and say hello to them back in Nigeria. So, you know, there are a couple of people I wanted to go. So, me and my wife were thinking, ah, what can we get this person? We thought about everything. We said, <laughs> we said there is nothing we can think of. So, guess what? When it comes to God, he's looking for your thanksgiving. Do you know that? Let me let you into, you know, one secret. Like, 80% or 90% of my own prayer. Now, Thanksgiving, the remaining 10%, maybe like asking God Alpha now, waiting day for your boy. But like majority of it is Thanksgiving. And do you know what Thanksgiving does? It just opens doors for you. And like I keep saying, you may think, we all may think we have arrived. Guess what? We have not scratched the surface. So Thanksgiving is a big thing. Can we have a look at um, a few scriptures? Uh, let's have a look at Psalm 100 verse 4. Psalm 100 verse 4.
Okay, well, if it's not coming up now, well, basically what Psalm 100 verse 4 says, that, that is where they got the lyrics. We will enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We will enter his courts with praise. We will say this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and for he has made us glad. Can we have a look at Jeremiah 30, 19 to 20? Jeremiah 30, verse 19 to 20. Um, Pastor Anne, please. There will be joy and songs of thanksgiving, and I will multiply my people, not diminish them. I will honor them, not despise them. Praise the Lord. Research has also shown that thanksgiving actually promotes good health. When you're a thankful person and you are not worrying, it actually elongates your life. So you see that three score and ten, you can you push it forward <laughs> by the grace of God. Number five loaf is your thoughts. Can we please have a look at Proverbs 16 verse 3? Your thoughts. Your thoughts, your plans, everything. It says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. We need to be conscious of the kind of things we are thinking about. You know, hold it captive for God. Hold those thoughts captive for God. And also commit our plans to God. Um, everything we do, no matter how little, no matter how how big it is. So those those are your five loaves. Now, when it comes to, does anybody like fish? Yeah. I trust Pastor. You like fish. Ah, Pastor the Trump. <laughs> so, um, what type of fish do you like, please? Ah, uh, just say one now. Good, correct. Sister Buki. Sister Buki, what's your best fish? Tilapia. Bros. Augustine. Swordfish. Correct. Statue. Salmon. Salmon is very nice. Anybody else like fish? Pala. <laughs> Ejakika. With with uh, gary garyum sulfates, you know, so fish is sweet, right? But it can also be dangerous. How can it be dangerous? The bone. Ah, I can remember when I was small, and I ate fish, and I didn't know how to eat fish well, and the bone went to go and stick in my throat. Ah, I was like, what is this? I think I was, I managed to swallow it. Thank God it didn't cause any defects in my, in my throat. So, what represents your fish? Your trials and tribulations. Your transgressions. Everything. You need to give it up unto God. Come to me, all ye who are weary and are burdened and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty. Can we also have a look at first Peter five verse seven? First Peter five verse seven. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. So 
however, however way you want to look at it, whether you want to look at it, you know, as five loaves and two fish from the feeding of the 5,000 or seven loaves from the feeding of the 4,000, either way, there is a significance with seven, you know. And what God is just trying to tell us in these stories is that, you know, he, in order for him to meet us in our hungry place, we, we need to give our seven up to him. Again, like I said, I will start with it and I will close with it. When you give your seven up to God, he will prosper you. He will multiply you. He will lift you. You will have access. And the difference will be clear. Everlasting Father, we thank you for today's message. Your word, Lord, in John says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Your word also says in the same John that my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they listen to me. I will give them eternal life. They will not die. They will not be removed from my victorious right hand. Everlasting Father, we here today are your sheep. We decree and declare that we will have everlasting life in you, Lord. We will not die, Lord. We will not be removed from your victorious right hand. Everlasting Father, and for those who want to know you, to be able to give their seven up to you, we pray, O oh Lord God, that you accept them as your sheep. Forgive their sins, O oh Lord, as you have done on the cross of Calvary. And if you are watching today online or if you are here today and you just want to give your life to Christ, just say, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. I believe he died on the cross of Calvary and he rose again. I believe that old things have passed away and I am now a new cre creation, creature. Everlasting Father, we thank you. We bless your holy name. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.